All right, well, welcome once again to the Nefesh podcast. I think this is episode 36. We are, we are clicking, clicking right along, and it is truly an honor to have my mom, Sandra Leonard, here on the podcast with me. Thanks for being on, Mom. You're welcome. I think she did it out of, like, pity for me because I just had my two wisdom teeth removed and I can't talk very well, so I think she felt bad enough for me that she was willing to come on. And what I've wanted, you know, Mom, I wanted to do this, uh, you know, thinking back now, I wish I had done something like this with Dad before he passed, getting all of his stories recorded and talking about life growing up. But uh, one of my favorite times, uh, even today, is to go back with you and visit on the farm that that Uncle Dave now owns, but it's the farm where you spent the last few years of middle school or, or last little bit of middle school. And high school. And then high school. And I just love going back there. There's something peaceful about being there. And so I just wanted you to share some stories, some stories of what it was like growing up there in Illinois and then Iowa and and life kind of in, not quite the olden days because you're, you're not that old, but you know what life was like back in the Midwest. And so, um, but I first have to ask this very important question. Which one is your favorite child? Oh. <laughs> just kidding, I'm of just kidding. Of it's you. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so take us back to, you were actually born in? Uh, my parents lived in a little town of 300 in the middle of Illinois called Deer Creek. But the hospital that I was born in, they had to drive me to Peoria, which was about 20 or 25 miles. So grandma was actually able to get to the hospital before she gave yes. birth. You weren't born in the back of a car, right? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Good. So you were raised in Peoria or? or raised, no. Raised in Deer Creek. Raised in Deer Creek. Okay. In, in and around Deer Creek. I was surprised I did get to visit uh, with you and grandma before she passed in Peoria. And I was surprised by... I don't know what I was expecting, but it was a little bit more industrial and, and I think urban than I realized. Um, it probably was a big town back then. Did, did grandma and grandpa work there, grow up there? No, they uh, went to school in Deer Creek, grade school, graduated high school in Deer Creek, and, but they both worked there through the years. Dad at first only for two or three years until he was able to rent a farm near Deer Creek but then um, farming was a little hard, and it was hard to have money, but so my mother went to work in Peoria. So while d- uh, Grandpa was farming, Grandma was working in yes. Peoria. Yes. And that was pretty common, right? Uh, back yes. then, you had to have both, the, the, both parents, yes. husband and wife, working. And a lot of my relatives worked at Caterpillar. That's still a big industry plant there in Peoria and they some of my relatives had retired from working there that was one of the big ones the other big one was called L.R. Nelson they make sprinklers and rainbird sprinklers and they're still going those are the two biggest plants there so it's it was kind of a lot of uh, like factory work so you're in doing whatever they make in factories I don't know I was born in the city although mother worked as a secretary for a large church in Peoria. Dad 
was the one that did the factory work. So when you were, and you were born, and, and, and grandma and grandpa, they lived around where their parents were, right? Yes. Both sides of their families were in that area as well? Right. Um, my d dad's parents lived just only a mile out of Deer Creek, and my mother's parents lived in Deer Creek. And had they lived there for a while? Yes. So yes. that, so our family on that side yes. goes back, what, several generations? Yes, it does. Wow. Uh, and, and another place in uh, Illinois down near, I think, Collinville or somewhere, but they had lived there for a long time. I don't think I realized that. I think, you know, the, our main connection was in Iowa and the farm there that, that we'll get to, but I don't think I realized how far back our family went back at least on your side, back in Illinois. And I don't know if I've been lying to people, but I've been telling them that both sides of my family have been in the United States for hundreds yes. of years, right? Yes. Yes. So both sides, both your side and then dad's side, yes. goes back, what, 1600s maybe? 1700s? Somebody did some research and said from dad's side, somebody came on the Mayflower. Wow. And then from your side... Yes, uh, they were from England, mostly uh, Wales. My great-great-grandmother came from Wales. Sarah Ann Batty was her name. Wow. And are we, like, related to royalty, maybe? Possibly? Well, I've heard it was the, quote, distaff side, which is the married inside. They're not the direct line of royalty. So no claim to blood or the no. throne or anything. <laughs> Can't try to overtake, go and overtake the, the throne. Okay. No. So... Um, that was interesting because then at a certain point, Grandpa then decided to go and buy a farm in Iowa. So was that a big deal, kind of moving away from family? It, it was a big deal, but there was two farms before we got to the third farm in Iowa. Okay, so take us back there. What are your earliest memories of, of being on the farm? And that was the one that Grandpa was renting at the time. Well, I'll tell you, I was born in 1940, so you can see how many years ago that was. And things were different. Uh, my father's parents, there was no um, plumbing in the house. There was no bathrooms in any of the farms we lived at until later on. Um, there was only a sink and a hand pump that you pumped water into the house, but it had to be heated for everything, for dishes. There was a bathtub in my paternal uh but you had to heat the water for the bathtub. Everything had to be heated. And there was a building just uh, kind of next to the house where my grandma did the laundry, but she had to heat all the water, put it in the washing machine or whatever she used. So it, those chores took all day legitimately, right? Right. And for bathrooms, it was always outhouses. And uh, my grandma Mickens had a three-holer, two for adults and one for kids. <laughs> <laughs> the the bathroom uh, the bathroom uh, uh, I was about to say etiquette but the bathroom the lives of uh, bathrooms back then so meaning three people could be in there at the same time yeah why would you want to be in there well if you were with your husband <laughs> no no, you, no 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 and then you, you had a little child that you couldn't leave in the house so you'd walk out there with your little child and all three could sit yeah, there yeah I don't think I I don't think I'm comfortable with that do they at least have dividers between oh, the holes no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just one small building <laughs> okay so everybody got friendly back then okay yes, yes. so um, and you could tell whose outhouse you were in 
if you didn't know whose farm you were at because everybody's family fragrances are different. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll leave it right there. Okay, so moving on. Um, So, but you said that you grew up in Deer Creek. You grew up in a house that did have running water. No, that was my grandma. My mother's parents had a bathroom, had a tub and a toilet and hot and cold water. They had all that. Okay. But, uh, and I don't know how long they'd had it, but us out on the farm didn't have that. So, so you didn't have it at all when you were growing up? No. Okay. So at the, there were, fir- there were two Except farms. a short time. Okay. Uh, when we moved to Tremont, uh, they remodeled the house and we had lovely rooms and bathroom upstairs and bathroom wow. downstairs. But then when dad bought the farm in Iowa, the house had burned and here we were, tri- making the trek to the bathroom, summer, winter, rain, cold, whatever. So there was originally a house on the farm that, that eventually he bought in Iowa. The house had burned down. Right. And, but unfortunately, it wasn't essentially rebuilt, or no. a house wasn't built until no. Uncle Dave bought the farm. Yeah. Well, when we moved there, there was a Quonset hut. And you got to have to explain that, and okay. maybe even spell that, because... It starts with a Q, a Q-U. <laughs> anyway, you probably have seen them. They're metal buildings. They're straight on the front, but then they curve down to the back. And um, I don't think maybe very few people have seen that yeah. today. but Maybe on a military base. Oh, that's true. Or, okay. Uh, you might have seen them. They still have them around. Anyway, that's what we, uh, I don't remember. It wasn't very big, but... Um, there was running water, and there was a water heater, so you could have a sink there. But um, baths, Saturday night baths, big round tub, you'd heat the water, and whoever was the cleanest got in first. <laughs> Boy, you tried to, I bet, everybody tried to make sure that they were clean, because you didn't want to be the last one going in that tub. Because farms can be dirty with hay and straw and animals, and you can be I'm surprised you all didn't die of like pneumonia or something, catching each other's germs, taking baths after each other. That's just gross. Sitting in outhouses together, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) The first farm that we had that my dad started, uh, the only water in the house was a sink in the corner and a hand pump, and you pump the water in from the well outside. But mother had big round dish pans, and uh, she would pump the water up and then put it over on the stove and heat pan for washing and then she'd heat another pan for uh, rinsing and I my job was to do dishes but I'd have to stand on a chair because you were short I was well yeah and I was only like six or you were washing dishes at that young oh yeah wow but the um you had to watch because when the stove was on heating up the water and if mom put the stuff in early or later you had to heat up the water. If you touched the bottom of the pan, it was kind of hot. Ouch. Especially when you went to get the silverware, which lays flat on the pan. Oh, my goodness. But so yes, I was doing dishes. You had to do that every day? Mostly, yeah. Wow. So at six, you're washing dishes. Uh-huh. And then at what, what age were you out there helping on the farm? Well, about that same age, uh, I was getting eggs from under the hens. And some when you go out to the each... Um, there are little boxes that the hens sit in. And sometimes the hens had gone and left the eggs, and that was fine. I could put them in my basket. But sometimes you come up on a box where a hen is sitting on the egg still. 
And once in a while, they'll let you reach your hand under and get the eggs, but sometimes they'll peck you, and I did not like that. <laughs> As a little six-year-old, that can be that can be a little painful. So probably more often than not, they didn't like being felt up while right, you're right. digging for eggs. I don't know eggs. why they, mom or dad didn't give me a glove. <laughs> it was... And you had to watch out for the roosters. They were in a in, fenced-in enclosure. And sometimes those roosters would want to take a run at you. Are you serious? Yeah. What do you do then? You run. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, can you like, I guess you can't kick them. You don't want to kill them. But. Right, right. <laughs> I probably couldn't kick that hard anyway. But <laughs> So you just made a run for it with your eggs. Yeah. Now you also, you've told me you got in trouble because you'd like to play with those eggs. Yes. <laughs> the house we lived in sat up um, about two and a half feet or three feet from the ground. I don't know why, but Anyway, my brother, who was, if I was six, he was four, and my other sister would have been two. That made my other brother a baby. But anyway, uh, we liked to play uh, in the mud <laughs> and take the eggs and make, you know, and, and cook, make mud pies. <laughs> and so we would slip out and get some eggs under the porch and mix it with the mud and a little water and make our mud pies. But my mother was not happy with that <laughs> because we had to sell those eggs. Um, we saved those eggs, and maybe you've seen some of those old egg cartons, down in the basement where it was cool, and we'd candle them, which means we didn't use a candle, but we used a lamp with a light bulb on it and the shade off, and you'd hold the egg up to the light, and you could see if there was anything growing in there or any little dark spot or anything because that meant a baby chicken was coming, so you didn't send that egg to town. But anyway, they would take the eggs that we um, The good eggs. Yeah, the good eggs, and take them to town and exchange them for groceries. Wow. This little uh, grocery store in this little town of 300 people had some groceries that we needed, and Mom and Dad would take the eggs in. And, and you trade groceries. them for groceries. So mm -hmm. if you made... Made mud pies out of them. You couldn't trade them for groceries. No, no, couldn't do that. <laughs> Did you get spanked from as a result of that? I don't remember. We were <laughs> severely chastised. <laughs> what would you do with the eggs that were growing something inside of them? You could have made mud pies with those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a baby chicken in my mud pie. <laughs> so you would, you'd have to go, you'd have to wash dishes every day, and yeah. then you'd also have to gather uh, the eggs. Gather the eggs. Um, but you also did go to school, right? Oh, yes. Um, my first two years of school was in a one-room schoolhouse, and we lived about a quarter of a mile from the hard road. And at the end of that was um, some friends who also went to that little school. So I met up with them, and I walked to school with them. And you were, what, six? Six and wow. seven. I was in the first grade by myself and then the second grade by myself, first two years. And then there was a hard road we had to walk by. That was the only, um, there were two lanes, concrete roads, and two-lane roads are, I'm a little hesitant, but I'll, but I got to school, okay? Meaning you're hesitant because it's scary? Yes, yeah. because living back there, I heard many crashes on two-lane roads. I didn't hear them, but I heard of the two-lane crashes. Just the people getting in accidents on those two-lane roads. Right. So when I got to the schoolhouse, uh, we went in the door, and if you went to the right, that was the girls' cloakroom where you put your lunch and your 
uh, jacket, and if you went to the left, there was the boys' cloakroom, and they put their stuff in there. Now, there was no running water in the one-room schoolhouse, no bathrooms, nothing like that. But the teacher who came from Morton about five miles away, she would come early and build a fire in the stove. It was winter, and that's how we heated that place. And then if we had to go to the bathroom, we had to go outside, and there were two um, two um, wooden Plants? outhouses. Oh, okay. I think they were two seaters each, <laughs> <laughs> one for the girls and one for the boys. And that's how we did our bathrooms wow. at this one-room schoolhouse. Then in third grade, the district decided they would bust the farm kids in. So we and were you were considered up. farm kids? Yeah. Okay. So we walked down to the hard road, and the bus would pick us up and take us into town to school. Did you like, which school did you like better? Didn't matter. I liked them both. Yeah? Yeah. So it didn't, I mean, was it a bigger school and a bigger building? Or oh, yeah. It and, was bigger. And, and a lot more kids, kids. And I probably had maybe 20 kids in my class and the other classes as well. So you went up, you lived there all the way up through eighth grade, I think, right? Not quite. Okay. I lived up there till I was 10, and then we moved Tremont, which was about 20 miles away. And farmers always move in the spring, so then they're there when it's time to plow and plant crops. So probably about March or so of my fifth grade year, we moved to Tremont. And um, that's where I started really my... Uh, farm work, tractor work. I was 10, but Dad always planted. He never let me plant, but he let me plow. And I plowed corn and beans and stuff when I was And And 10. so plowing, you mean you were on a trailer, tractor? A tractor, yeah, on a tractor. And you were plowing up the dirt so that he could come behind and plant? No, he planted first. So Although what, do you, I might what does plowing plowed. mean then? Plowing means, uh, well, first of all, when you plow, you uh, we had a three-bottom plow. That means three big blades. And you would plow the dirt and prepare the field. Then you'd go back and disc the field. That's those big round discs on rollers. So you could break up the clods and make the field a little smoother. And then you came the next time and you harrowed. And that's a flat piece of equipment. Are you making this up right now? <laughs> These are real terms. No, no. I'm, <laughs> we still got the machinery on it the farm. It seems like just so much work. <laughs> and then you harrow, and that smooths it out, so then Dad could do the planting. You've got to do all of that before you can even put the seeds in the ground? Right. Oh, yeah. my you goodness. You have to prepare the ground. Yeah. Way too much work. Okay. So, uh, but sitting on a tractor seat was 10. I was 10. I was kind of young, and sometimes I'd fall asleep because <laughs> being out in the hot sun, sitting on that tractor seat. Aww. And Dad didn't have any umbrellas on the tractor, and we didn't have any radios, and we didn't have an enclosed cab with air conditioning. It was just a tractor. So every once in a while, I'd fall asleep and plow out a little ways. And <laughs> when Dad came behind me in a few weeks to maybe plow again, he'd say, oh, I see what happened here. <laughs> but then we also had to do baling by, oh, I didn't tell you about the hay on the farm. Uh, we didn't have a baler, so What's Dad, a baler? It makes the hay into bales that you can, and it ties. Like those square yeah. things that you'll see? Right, okay. they're square. And uh, so when he he mowed it, and, and uh, then he would it would dry out, and then he'd put it on the rack wagon. And then... Uh, like rack wagon, meaning it's all in pieces? No, it's, no. A, it's a wagon that's flat. Okay. It's probably like the size of a small car, but it's just flat, wooden okay. flat. And they pile the hay on it, and then they come in to put it up in the mow in the barn. 
So there's these uh, forks. Dad would stand on the wagon and put these forks into the loose hay, and then uh, I had to drive the horses right beside it that pulled uh, up into the mow and it clicked on a pulley and then it rode that pulley back till wherever Dad wanted it to dump. If he wanted it to dump in the back of the barn, he'd pull this rope and trip it and the forks would open and the hay would drop there. So then I had to back the horses up uh, and we'd do this all over again. How often would you, so you're backing these horses up, you're 10? I'm 9 then, still wow. 9. I wasn't and, 10. And you knew how to manage, were you on the horses or no. you were on a, like I a was buggy? behind them, just okay. walking behind them. Oh, you were rings. walking behind them? Yeah and guiding them back right now okay. backing them up and then dad would stick the forks in again for another load here we go down pulling wow. the hay up in where the were your didn't you have brothers and sisters where, where were they at this time <laughs> where were you doing all this work i was the oldest okay okay so, so you were doing you got a i mean whether you're a boy or girl you're out there right you're out there working right and so then when we moved to the farm on tremont uh dad had gotten a baler and so when you prepare hay, you mow it, and I could mow hay. It's a long, long uh, blade sits out to the right of your tractor, and you mow these big swaths of hay. So you're on the tractor again, right. and then you're mowing through the field. Right. Okay. And then uh, it has to dry for several days, three or four days, whatever. And then when it's dry, then you have a big uh, thing called a side rake, which you drive alongside, and the side rake rolls them into a, a roll, rolls that one swath at a time into a roll. And then you let that sit for a day or so to make sure it's really dry. And then you come back and run the baler that picks up this big roll, and it goes through the baler and comes out the other end in bales. But at that time, uh, it wasn't automatic, so my brother George, who was then eight, Wow. He drove the tractor. Wow. And Dad and I sat on either side of the baler. Wow. One of us fed what was called a shuttle. He shuttled it through and put a wire in it, and then Dad sat on the other side, and he tied the bales. Wow. And then they slide up. As bales come along, they slide up onto the rack, and we'd have to stop every once in a while. Dad would restack the bales. Wow. It sounds dangerous. Oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and there was an incident where one of your brothers got broke his leg, right? Oh, yeah, that was back at the Deer Creek farm. Uh, farmers very often milked so that they could have a milk check. A milk what? Milk check. What's so money would come in. Oh, uh, a check, an actual... Like maybe, I don't remember if it was every two weeks or whatever, so that they could have money currently because the crops aren't harvested till the fall. So they would they would milk, get, uh, get milk from cows in order to have a, a regular income. Right, Okay. right. And so Dad would milk in the barn. We had these milk cans. You've probably all seen milk cans. He would put the milk in them. Then he would wheel them up near the house where we had a big horse tank filled with water, and that kept them cool overnight. And so the uh, dairy truck came every morning and picked up the milk. Okay. So you had to get up early to get the morning milking done so it could go in the tank. Otherwise, it shouldn't sit all day till the next day. Oh, wow. And so he had a cart that hold four milk cans. But he only had three that day or something. And my little brother, who was two, was sitting on the other spot where a milk can would have been. Uh-oh. What he, was he doing? He was just hanging out? Yeah, just hanging or out. Or was he waiting just to get, like, milk poured no. in his mouth? No. No, okay. but I have friends that did that. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have their dad squirt the, right into their mouth. 
and I didn't like warm milk. No, because it's gross. <laughs> but my friend who was in my class, she did. Ugh. her father did that for her. So he's just hanging out he's sitting where, on the, the, cart where, where the milk can would is. Sit. But he, got his, he was only two. He got Aww. his leg caught in the wheels ouch. and broke his leg. Ouch, ouch. So they had to get him to the doctor. Ouch. So, I mean, other than that, were there any, I mean, you look fine, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> you were, you... I never had an accident no. on a tractor or anything. Any and any of the others other than Uncle no. Dave? Uh, my brother, as he got older and the machinery is more technical, he did have some near misses, but I never did. Yeah. There was one story you told. Uh, I don't remember if it's you who tell uh, tells it or if it's uh, Uncle Dave or Uncle George, but where I... Was it you're picking up corn, like you're driving along, and Grandma and Grandpa are picking the corn off the side, and they're throwing it in the oh, back? Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> and you kids are sitting in the back? Yeah. Uh, we didn't have a corn picker. My mother and father had to walk the rows, shuck it by hand, and toss it in. Shuck it means you're pulling off the... Pulling off the... Outside? Outside okay. of the corn, like an ear of corn. They, it's called shucking it. And uh, they would throw it in the wagon. And everybody was walking. The horses were pulling the wagon. And we kids were small, so we'd have to sit inside the wagon. <laughs> so when occasionally, and they were told us which side to sit on because they'd throw the corn on a certain <laughs> side. And if we got out of line and sat on that side, <laughs> we'd get bumped. <laughs> and I think Uncle Dave says that everyone, or Grandma maybe even said this, every once in a while you'd hear this, ow! Yeah, right. Ow! <laughs> Out as the corn would be coming back and accidentally get one of you. They couldn't leave us in the house. So, yeah, we were small. Uh, There was four of us, two years apart. but uh, And so, yeah, we had to sit in the wagon. (laughs) So, uh, which part of the farming chores did you like the least? I don't know. I have to think about that, really. Well, was it, I mean, you, uh, Grandpa raised pigs? Yeah, he raised pigs, but I never had to deal with the pigs Okay. very much. I might have had to feed them, but I don't remember. He mostly took care of them, because I mostly, and sometimes I had to milk the cows. When we moved later up to Manchester, I had to milk the cows. Um, When you... You get the cows in from the field. Sometimes you would walk out and get them, or you'd ride a horse, or, or somehow they you... wouldn't just come on their own. No, not usually. I mean, I see some cows up here where I'm living. They seem to be moving around on their own. But your cows weren't very obedient. They, need, <laughs> they needed somebody to come and get them. Yeah, sometimes they do. I guess maybe when they get full of milk and they know it's time, and they kind of head for the barn. But they don't naturally do okay. that. You have to go out and round them up. And you have to be very careful if the a bull is in the pasture with pasture with them, because bulls um, chase people. They've chased <laughs> they've chased my dad. They've chased my brothers. And it's that's a that's a great statement. Calls. Bulls chase people. <laughs> Dogs bark, cats meow, and bulls chase people. And there were some close kinds. To Times because dad or my brothers just barely made it to really? the Really? Because oh, yeah. they just charge you. Oh, yeah. Oh, they my don't, goodness. don't like you out there. It's, it's, uh, Did you ever get chased? No. <laughs> I either didn't get the cows or I didn't get chased. <laughs> um, so you'd get them in the barn, and they'd, 
would go into a stanchion. Some of them, I guess, just kind of knew which stanchion they wanted. A stanchion is a big metal, big metal thing they put their heads through, and you have feed in there for them. Okay. They'd get fed while you milk them. So they know where to go. Essentially, once they get yeah. in the barn, they yeah. know to go to a certain spot. Yeah. And then as they're feeding, then you have to go and milk them. Yeah. So did you mind doing that? Um, not, it was probably my least favorite, but I didn't mind. Okay. I mean. And you hook the. The milkers. Oh, you didn't have to do it by hand? Some I did by hand. Okay. And you also had to put kickers on the cows. Because they'll kick you, they'll right? They'll kick you. So. <laughs> so. Bulls chase people and cows <laughs> kick you. <laughs> so the kickers are two, like, I can't even describe them, but they fit over their the back legs. The okay. two back legs. And there's a chain that connects them. Oh, okay. It's just kind of like something that slips over there, so they can't. They can still try to kick. Sure, but and it's harder. You have harder. to be careful because if they get you right, they can kick over your milker full of milk, or oh. if you have to do something by hand, they could kick over your bucket. Wow. So, and then as the milker got full, and we knew when it was about to get empty, we'd take it into the little milk house that was next to the barn and put it in these milk cans, and then there was a big thing of water in there. You, when it was full, you put the milk in, can in there to keep it cool keep it in cool. the morning. So yeah. you're doing, I mean, it's, it's farm chores. They're done seven days a week, 365 days a year, right? That's the thing about milking. You have to do it twice a day. Oh, wow. Monday through Sunday. You, there's no time off. And if you have to go somewhere, then you got to get a hired hand to come in and milk your cows. Because they'll explode with all that milk in them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never tried it. <laughs> Never tested it. So, but other than that, it, it's not as much work. Um, there's not other farm work that has to be done every day? There is, but I didn't mind it. Some okay. kids might not like it, but I didn't mind it because every day in the summer, especially, I was on a tractor seat, whether it was plowing, disking, harrowing, wow. or plowing corn, or plowing beans, or um, making hay. Uh, it was every day. There was something to do. Now, you did have to kill animals, and you did not cite that as your least favorite thing to do, Mom, <laughs> so that worries me a little. Well, did you enjoy killing the no, animals no, that you no. did? Okay. <laughs> All right. I just want to clarify. Uh, when I was younger, uh, we butchered. That means we killed pigs, and my dad never let me watch them being shot, but they would shoot them, then they would hang them up like from a barn door or somewhere and open them and drain the blood and get everything out of them. And then we had these big, heavy steel, no, not steel, iron uh, kettles, big round kettles, and they would cook the meat in there. And uh, my grandma and I would be up in the house, and she would be, um, uh, the pig's head came into the house. Ugh. And... Um, Dead, Grandma, right? Dead, yeah. It had been cooked in that big kettle. Eyes still? Yeah. Ugh. I didn't look close. <laughs> but um, the meat that was in the head, and I'm not sure what other parts they used. Well, what, I mean, is there meat in the head, really? What? What Somewhere. is up in the head? Somewhere. What, I, I don't mean, know. isn't it you're just your brains? Well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know whether they used those or not. But um, that meat that was scraped out, was made into, quote, head cheese, Ugh. but there's no cheese in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what Grandma put with it, because... 
because uh, it tasted good. Yeah, and we yeah, had it no. for breakfast with pancakes no. and with eggs. So, I mean, was it like the consistency of some type of cheese where you get like a block well, of cheese? Well, it was like firm. I guess she packed it into some oh, type of, so like maybe a bread pan. So gross. And... Um, we're not quite sure what's in this head cheese that no, came out of a pig's head. But you head. can still buy it in some restaurants. No. Maybe in areas where they, you can still buy head cheese some places. So did you ever watch her like scraping out this yes. pig's head? No, but I watched her do the intestines. Oh. The intestines are what, and even the intest, the casings on some sausage and hot dogs, it'll say, I don't know what it says, real or not artificial or something. It's and still, that means it's somebody's intestine. Yeah, probably a pig's intestines. Gross. And they wash it and wash it and wash it and maybe kind of gently scrape stuff out till it's all clean. Gross. And then... Just remember that next time you're eating sausages. <laughs> Just remember that. Truly. <laughs> Look whether it's natural or oh, artificial casing. Go for the artificial. <laughs> and um, then there was a little machine they'd put the meat in and it would press down and you'd hook the casing on a little spout down at the bottom and that's how you filled your sausages. You'd press it and you'd make sausages. Did you ever clean out the intestines? I don't think I did. Okay. I just watched Grandma, kind of. Now, you skipped over the part where you actually killed animals. So yeah. tell us which animals you killed. Only pigs. No, no, I mean you personally. Oh, personally. Oh, well, let me tell you about the cows. Okay. I never. We never killed cows. We took cows to the, quote, locker in the nearest town. The locker was a place where people could store meat like if they had a cow killed or a pig killed. The locker would rent you space to store the meat. They processed the cows, killed them, did all whatever they had to do, cut the meat up. You could order how many pounds of hamburger, how many steaks, or whatever you wanted, and they kept it in that locker for you. So and then, like when, they would butcher it for you and keep yes. the meat, and you could store it there? Yeah, okay. and so when mom would go to town, she'd maybe stop by and pick up some meat from the locker. But yes, I did kill chickens. Um, Not for fun, right? You did no. it for food. Okay. Yeah, for food. Just want to clarify. Um, I would go get a few chickens, and we had a wooden block, and they squirm like crazy and hard to do, but you got to get their head on that block and then chop it off. So did you, I mean, chickens, yeah, they're crazy, but you held the chicken's neck down. I didn't hold her neck down. I only ever held them by their feet. Oh, but aren't their necks like flopping all over yeah, the place? Yeah, they are, but you got to get it right where you can just... Okay, so you got them by their feet, and then you got the axe, and then yeah. you just... And do they do they really run around afterwards? Like A little bit. They'll flop around a while. I don't know that they can run around. They mostly just flop. Okay. And um, and then when you got their heads off, then you have some boiling water in a bucket. And the boiling water, you dip the chickens in, and makes easy to pluck the feathers off. So you you knew how to disassemble a chicken. Yep. You yep. put it in hot water, get all the feathers off, yeah. and then everything else. And you out cut of there. it open and um, take the insides out and wash the gizzard out. That's where the rocks go. If they're pecking off the ground, the rocks go in their gizzard, and you cut it open and do you, clean the rocks out. Do you eat the gizzard? Oh yeah, I like gizzards. The gizzard is like a is that like a strainer for them? Maybe like, you might call it a craw as well. I don't know it's what the, that means. It just means gizzard. I okay, think. but like as they're pecking, they might get rocks, and the rocks go in there. Yeah, because they're eating the grass. They're free range chickens. Sure. And so they might get some little rocks, and so then I'd cut their feet off and open them up, and knew how to. Why would you open their feet up? 
No, I opened the chicken. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Not the feet, okay. sorry. And, and what then, would you do with the feet? Toss them. Okay. No, Some did, people you, That's boil. where you drew the line? Yes. With the feet? Okay. Some people boil the feet and make uh, chicken broth. Mm-mm. But, is that um, how chicken broth is made? From chickens. From chicken feet? And other parts. But the feet? Yeah. I heard uh, Dr. Axe say that he and his wife used to drive down in Virginia an hour and a half and get chicken feet and other parts, and they'd go home and make chicken broth. Yeah, I don't know who Bone that broth. is, but I'm probably not going to be eating he's from him. He's a healthy, no. he's well-known health guy. No. And so then I cut him up. I knew how to properly cut a chicken up, and I put it, must have been in a freezer-type box, and I'd put him in our freezer. Wow. So you're doing all this, but yet you're also, like, active. You know, you're a teenager by this time, especially up in Manchester, Iowa, which is probably about the same size today as it was back then, right? It is. Still about about 5,000. Beautiful little town there. Um, But by that time, you were finishing up eighth grade and in the spring, right? Well, at Tremont, I fin- almost finished eighth grade. Okay. Uh, here again, we had to move in the spring, and right. I was the spring of my eighth grade. So we moved, but then uh, they let me come back to Tremont and graduate, and graduate. eighth grade there. Yeah. Okay. But I finished it up in Manchester, and then I did all four of my high school years in Manchester. Now, you were pretty busy because you had time to become, like, the the president of the youth group up there and also all-state trombone player two years in a row, right? Yeah. Really involved in... I was blessed. I started playing in fifth grade in the band at Deer Creek. And uh, I played trumpet or cornet, I don't remember, but same thing. And so when we moved to Tremont, I was in the band again, and I played um, trumpet and cornet the rest of my fifth grade, my sixth grade, and by seventh grade... uh, Farm kids rode the bus to school, and this nice-looking young man was riding my bus, and he played trombone, and I (laughs) said to my mom and dad, you know, I think I'd like to play trombone. (laughs) And they let me switch. I started playing trombone in seventh grade. I don't think he ever saw me. I don't think he ever knew I existed. But anyway, (laughs) I got to play trombone. (laughs) And that was good because then that was a blessing for me when I moved to Manchester. Then... Uh, my parents bought me my own trombone. Usually when kids start out, they rent from the school to see if they really want to stick with it. But then they bought me my own trombone. And uh, somebody was in the first chair when when we moved there, but then she graduated, and the rest of my high school, I played trombone and was first chair. And we were a a good band. We had a good director, and and he took us to parades, and, and we did special moves. We did one called Banjive, where you do a little dance and play your instrument at the same at time. At the same time? Yeah. That's <laughs> way more coordination than I have. And then there was, uh, I could try out for all-state band, meaning the whole state of Iowa. You would audition to be in this one band uh, just for, it was a competition. It was just a one-time thing. And so I auditioned, and I got first chair trombone. Wow. But I was the sixth chair in the first trombone section. Right. So I wasn't first year, but it was an honor, and yeah. I got to do that twice, and I appreciated that. And um, what happened at the uh, the youth group? Oh, the youth group. Well, uh, in Manchester, it was a wonderful youth group, and a great pastor, and we had youth meetings on Sunday evening, and uh, somehow they elected me <laughs> to be 
president of the district. We would have we would go to other churches sometimes and meet and have meetings, and they wanted some district officers, and they elected me to be president of the district. And so, what'd you do as president? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> I just traveled and talked to other churches, and I that's felt a, that's pretty big. You went around and traveled to other churches and talked to and them, and other and some of the, a couple of the other officers went yeah. with me. But I felt empty. I didn't really feel like I had anything to say. I thought, mm -hmm. who am I to speak to my peers? I don't know. But I did. But then later in life, I realized that I needed or was missing. I didn't know then what it was. Uh, I was missing the Holy Spirit and mm -hmm. later became spirit-filled. And then I realized why I was so empty at those meetings. Mm -hmm. You know, what do I say? Right. But anyway. Well, and you um, you all grew up in church going to Methodist, the right. Methodist church? in the little town in Deer Creek where we, I was born, and, and we lived there. Um, it was a small church. It's a beautiful little church, and my grandparents, my mother's parents, lived right across the street from it, um, which was handy. But one year, Mother decided to have us baptized, and Methodists at that church only sprinkle. And so we were all dressed in white. I, I know I was no more than eight. Wow. My brother would have been six, my sister four, and my little brother two. Uh, we were all dressed in white dresses or little short white pants or whatever the boys were, and we were sprinkled. We were baptized in that Methodist church. Wow. And Mom and Dad mostly went to church, but sometimes when they couldn't, then we could walk across the street to Grandma's after it was over, and they would come pick us up. And then from there, when you moved to Manchester, you went to the Methodist Church there. Right. And also in Tremont, when we lived in Tremont, we went to the Methodist Church. And that's where I started playing the piano for Sunday school. So you started playing instrument piano for church, right? Right, yeah. That's where a lot of people get started. It, all Musicians of all kinds, singers of all kinds. They start out in church or in youth group. And it's pretty cool that that still happens. My mother had asked me at age seven, would I like piano lessons? And so I said yes. And I was a distant cousin in the little town of Deer Creek, and she'd take me into her house for piano lessons. And I had them, I think, until we moved to Tremont. Then I had no more piano lessons until I was a junior in high school, and I wanted a year of piano lessons. But I played at that little, I might have played at Deer Creek, but then we moved to Tremont. I played the piano for Sunday school every Sunday. And in Manchester, I didn't play. I only played for the school. And um, I'd play for all the choruses. There were three of us piano players. And we'd play for the boys' chorus, the girls' glee club, the mixed chorus. Wow. And the, the music program was big there. So people would also do solos, like trombone solo or voice solo. And they would go to a competition once a year in the spring. And so. I played, I accompanied all those soloists that did that too. I really enjoyed it and so glad I had that music background. I am grateful that mom and dad gave me that. So you were, you remained busy. I mean, trying to keep up with chores on the farm and then right. school and right. um, did well in school, right? Yep, I did. I was in the top, I'm going to say 10% of my class. Wow. My parents, uh, when it was time to go to college, there was no advisor to say do this or that or their mm. scholarships or I didn't know anything. And my parents couldn't afford it. And so I, um, I was really kind of distraught. I really wanted to go to school. I loved school. But at that time, I was working as a waitress in the little town there in Manchester. And 
the Army or Navy recruiters or those military recruiters would come in for lunch. And they were wondering what I was going to do after high school, and I said I didn't know. So they talked me into going down to Des Moines. That's about 150 miles away, but that's where all the recruiters were. And they um, interviewed me and checked me out. And I don't remember which one was first, I think Navy or something. But because I was very nearsighted, they would not take me. So they said, oh, go over here to the Marines. Okay, too nearsighted. Go to the Air Force. So I went over to that booth. Too nearsighted, they wouldn't take me. But the last thing was the Army. They said, oh, sure, we'll take you. <laughs> so when I graduated from high the school. The Army doesn't care if you can see? No. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to establish that. So when I graduated then uh, on my 18th birthday, I graduated in May, and by September I was 18. I was on a bus to Des Moines wow. to go into the Army. Wow. And um, the Army, it's just like the men's, only this this was only the Women's Army Corps. At one time, there was only a Women's Army Corps, and there was a Women's Air Force. Oh, that both, was separate from? That was separate from the men's. Okay. You lived in separate barracks, and you trained separately. Uh, both those uh, don't exist anymore. Wow. And so, so you, I mean, eventually you went in and you played trombone. You were in band, but you did the whole, like, boot camp and basic yep. training. and. yeah rigorous push-ups yep. and yep. wow Marching. was it tough yes <laughs> <laughs> yes it was and they uh we didn't do quite as much we did the same things but probably not to the extent that the men do we didn't do didn't do as heavy of things okay but they took us we had rifle training um i really couldn't see that <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> even with so glasses. How do you, I mean, where did they take you to shoot? Like way well, out in the woods where nobody else was? <laughs> well, even with glasses, I couldn't seem to hit the target. Oh. <laughs> and they took us through the gas chamber, and we had to do KP, which is kitchen patrol. You wash these huge pots and pans. Wow. We had to work in the where the food was served, and we marched. Did the uh, growing up on the farm did that help prepare you for the military? Probably, yeah. Because there were people in my platoon. A platoon was about forty, and some people didn't quite make it through basic. And um, and you did. Yeah, I did. Made it through, and I made it through without smoking. A lot of girls, when they came in, had never smoked in their life. Wow. And they picked up smoking from other people, and I decided never in my life will yeah. I do that. So I never did. Never Pro had a cigarette. And Probably was a huge stress reliever to be in that. Yeah, and it was because you had your bunk had to be so tight. Supposedly, a quarter would yeah. bounce on it. So, did the military then prepare you to have eleven kids? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it. <laughs> so, after you got through basic training and boot camp, um, they basically you there were a couple of places that you could go or or things that you could do, and you were telling me that you were thinking about maybe being a nurse at one point. Because that at that time, I don't understand how, but I could have come to L.A. and been in a nursing program for like $300. Wow. But I really wasn't didn't think I had the stomach to be a nurse, even though I was on the farm and killing chickens. <laughs> um, and so, but they told me, the recruiters told me that, yes, you can get college in the military. You can go, you can be a nurse, you can get college credit you can do it all I said okay I'll go 
But then when I graduated boot camp, the, uh, the options were to go to, I think it was Fort Sam Houston, Texas, and you would learn to be a medic uh, helper there. I'm not sure what the position was called. And, or you could do uh, general clerical work, or they heard that I played trombone. So the band people auditioned me, and right away I was in the band. Wow. And I liked it. We, we did band all day. Wow. We'd practiced or have small groups, or we'd have to go march uh, when so the people were graduating, or we would go march in parades. And a couple times we traveled to other cities. I think we went to, um, to Florida. I can't remember where the base is there. And marched in a parade, and we went to Colorado Springs, where the Air Force Academy is, and we played a concert and marched there. So a little bit of traveling. And all. So that part was fun. Once you got past the basic training or the boot camp, right? That was enjoyable. Plus, I trombones were the front line. <laughs> now, for somebody like you who doesn't like being the center of attention, why? Why is that? Why did you like that? I don't know. But I did like it, and I was on the outside, and I. We trombones, march front. <laughs> so you were in the front on the outside, so everybody knew where you were. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, the band got to wear special brass that you'd pin on your cap or on your oh, shoulders. why? It was a music lyre. Okay. And um, it looked like if you were an officer, that's where the officers put theirs on their oh, cap or their shoulder. Okay. So if you... If somebody didn't know you were walking down the street, <laughs> they would salute, salute you. you. Did you like that? <laughs> well, sure. You were on a power trip there, I can see. <laughs> oh. so. What were some of your favorite memories, I guess, growing up with, even with your your brothers, your sister, some favorite moments with your parents? I, I remember you would tell me, uh, was it Sunday nights? You guys would pop popcorn and make fudge and listen to the radio or watch TV or something? Yeah, Sunday nights were popcorn and fudge. Uh, maybe even Saturday night because then we'd watch Lawrence Welk. Okay. And we had a TV, but not till I was 15. And um, But Lawrence Welk was on, and we liked that. What are some other memories you have, some favorite moments? Well, because we didn't have TV till later, my mother used to buy um, records and um, operas and uh, music that was what do you call it? I can't think. like a musical or no, well, um, maybe a musical, but like it was Broadway. Like, yeah, okay, or, or classical, classical oh, yeah, music. Yeah. And so during the day, if I wasn't out in the field or it's a time where there wasn't field, or I would, we had a record player. And I would like to listen to that music. Yeah, I enjoyed that. You have any other any other funny stories about about you or Uncle George or Uncle Dave or Aunt Linda getting into trouble? I'm sure I do. But I can't. <laughs> well, you know, we should have started with saying that I am named after you. Oh yeah. And where did that name come from? Well, my parents. And my family used to call me either Sanny or Sanny Joe because my middle name is Joyce. And so they would nickname me that. And when I told my husband that, he liked it. I just couldn't imagine naming a child Sanny Joe. <laughs> it took me a long time. And when, right after she was born, people would ask me her name, and I'd say, Sanny Joe. <laughs> I don't know why, but now it's different, and I'm glad we did, and it's unique. Yeah. And just like her sister, Donnie Ann. Uh, 
she's named after him too, Donnie Ann. Donald, Donald was his name, his middle name was Earlene, and so she's Donnie Ann Earlene. His middle name was Earl, yeah. and her name, middle yeah. name was Earlene. So you remember being called Sandy Joe? Oh yeah, yeah. How, up until how late? As an adult, somewhere. Wow, yeah. and there was no D in there ever, right? Because no, that's no people D. always get that mixed up. Today. They didn't say Sandy Joe. She said Sandy Joe. Sandy Joe. That's yeah. so funny. Well, Mom, my namesake. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on with me. I appreciate it. And um, you're you're one of the one of the ones who likes to tell me how proud you are of me. Oh, so yes. it's oh, it's. Yes. It's always good to have you near, then I can just, you know. I'm probably going to say it now, but I'm so <laughs> proud of you. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> and what are the few people who like to hear me preach and oh, speak? You have a way of speaking and preaching like no one else. You don't go um and uh and put all these stutter <laughs> words in between. She speaks plain with the right voice, with the right cadence. I'd love to hear her speak. See, that's the only reason I had you on, is just to talk me <laughs> out just like that. But thank you so much. I know you, this type of stuff you don't like, but I really, as this whole podcast is about, it's really about not only understanding our soul and our spiritual formation, but about sharing our stories. And I think there's a, again, there's a reason why the Bible is so full of stories and um even funny stories like John outrunning Peter to the tomb. He put that in there just to make fun of Peter being older than him, I think. And um, these are our moments, our lives, are our one long story full of many different stories and they're important to share and to be heard uh, and to be listened to. And so thanks for, thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit. And if I can bribe you into coming on again, I'll, I'll certainly try. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening to this this week's episode of the Nefesh podcast with the very high honor of having my mom, Sandra Leonard, on with me sharing a little bit of, of growing up and what that was like on the farm. And I'm so thankful that I never had to grow up on a farm and that I grew up in the city and, and don't know any of, any of that stuff. I don't know if I would have survived, but really glad to, to have you. And uh, we will see you next time. <laughs>